0: forever Moments go Time runs out And then it hits you With the pain Things are great
1: Welcome back to the Gods to Ghost Volleyball Podcast In your host, Scott Bemke, for part three of our interview with Dennis the Rabbit Hare. Let's pick up where we last left off in part two. How about uh, Johnny Valile, the uh, Balboa um, Beach Rat?
0: Could have been the best player of all. I used to, when I used to drive down from Kaipa where I lived,
1: yeah. An
0: hour and a half every day. I would see him playing, and he was... Well, then he was like God, and I was a ball boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But he was fantastic. Uh, kind of very much into his thing, which made him even tougher, because he never, never knew what the guy was thinking. But uh, I knew this guy... I beat myself many times.
1: I come up and and the game was already over. Because you, you're mentally in your head. You were uh, thinking you were going to lose, type thing, or make mistakes, type stuff. Dennis, that sort of stinking thinking is uh, Zig Ziglar used to call that.
0: Thinking stinking, that's it. Yeah, Mm he he had that, uh, and he learned that from. I think he honed it in with Johnny Wood.
1: Oh sure. I think he still speaks, does um, presentations um, you know, around the country uh, regarding the pyramid of success and how it can it still applies to, to today in in life. So yeah, he he meant mentally must have been a pretty pretty on it type guy. How can he not be after playing for Coach Wooden, right? Well
0: Wooden uh, when you got on the court with Wooden there's an expectation that you had. You were going to win no matter what, because you played for Wooden. Mm-hmm. And that carried over. Greg Lee also had that. He was a UCLA guy. Yeah. Fact, most of those top players played for Al Skates at UCLA. Al Skates was the coach. So uh, pretty vibrant uh, times there.
1: Yeah. You know, Lang made a good point the other day. He said, you know, Selznick's not here any longer. Uh, Gene isn't, um, you know, uh, Mike O'Hara nor Mike Bright, so he said, uh, you know, of those, nor is Bernie Holtzman or, you know, the man he signs, but, um, you know, it's imperative that the guys that were there and saw him and knew him well make sure we get what they recall about them documented down so a whole, you know, treasure trove of uh, knowledge or encyclopedia of this sport isn't lost Um, uh, about them because, you know, that would be like throwing away a page on, you know, Ted Williams or Paul Horning or somebody like that if we don't get this stuff down. So I'm real grateful. Lang was proactive and reached out to me and said he wanted to spend some time paying tribute to him. And he, uh, he did a great job with telling it like it is, you know, Lang, there's, there's no gray area. He tells it like it is.
0: (laughs) uh, well, uh, you're doing a great job I mean for you to come in and uh, salvage uh, the history of the game because nobody else was going to do it um, I, I made a good effort I think
1: in the book, this book yeah I love that book, it's amazing I read it all the time oh cool Yeah, so, you know, it was for, for the
0: beginner and for the advanced player Mhm.
1: so
0: I think
1: it met all requirements. For it. Yeah, you were ahead of your time with that. Now, I mean, you had the the whole gamut in there all the way down to the nutrition and in interviewing certain each each of those players about, you know, what their game day meals entailed. Although I do have one problem with it. You left out Vogie. Yeah. And I asked Vogie, and he said beer and more beer. <laughs> yeah, you um,
0: if you if you were going to play with Bogey you knew you were going to be uh, you know.
1: <laughs> he was going to be the uh, crown prince of volleyball out there the one guy who loved that although was Bill Lika he was they were like two uh, kids in, in third grade that are all jacked up on candy that uh, you never knew what they were going to do
0: now there's a name that I haven't heard in a long time Bill Lika we played in the legends tournament Oh, a few years back, and uh, he's a cool guy, fun guy, Bill really guy. Played for UCLA football team as a lineman, weighing 186 pounds up against guys that are about 500.
1: Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Von Hagen got me in touch with him, and I did an interview with him, and I really enjoyed oh. speaking with him. He told some really fun stories about when he played at UCLA for Reds coach Red Sanders and I didn't know much because that obviously was before my time but I heard Red Sanders was one of those like legendary coaches that just when he walked into a room he was like a Vince Lombardi type and yeah Lika was a 202 pound uh, tackle uh, and end, Fine. and um, he was just, you wouldn't believe, he was an All-American too, I think he made All-American in 58, got drafted, and yeah, he made All-Pacific Coast Conference twice, he was, he told some really neat stories about some of the stuff that he did when he was in, in college, and um, he's, a, he's a character, a, a real fun, laid back, nice guy, he's living down in Carolina now and plays pickleball every day
0: yeah well, here's a good story um nineteen seventy six okay uh, I'm playing with von Hagen in the man open, and we were seated uh number two now this was I was pretty obviously very excited about it and we uh, they called our name up von Hagen and Hare against whoever it was, Mutt and jeff and uh <laughs> So they call her and we get out there and thousands of people are around the court. Sure. And uh, I'm nervous, really nervous, and we're getting ready to play. And, and here I am trying to find uh, one of those uh, things that go around your head, cloth things that go around your head. Bandana, there you go. Yep. Bandana. And I had to make sure mine was looking good with all the girls that were out there. <laughs> right on. And uh, so we get ready to play, and get, I'm getting ready to serve. And he's making these little maneuvers with his hand. And I stop for a second, and I go, Ronnie, what? Went up to him, and I go, Ronnie, what, what, what are you doing? He goes, This, this fly is bothering me. <laughs> and I'm going, He's worried about a little fly. Yeah. And here I am worried about how I look. Yeah, you
1: got he's worried about the uh the killer fly and then uh you're you gotta make sure the bandanas looking good with those lovely locks that you had going back then, Dennis. Oh they were
0: lovely.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've seen the photos. Yeah, you could you should have been in like a uh, head and shoulders commercial or something. They, they, they missed their window with you. <laughs> you. You and Fred with his puka shell necklace. I mean, come on. You guys were like... Um, speaking of Fred, um, you know, you guys roomed together I know, um, and we did touch on this before, but I just think it's just such a fun story. What was it like, you know, with you guys as the odd couple when you were living together and all that fun stuff and what you recall, about playing with him and then, you know, living with him. And it could have been a sitcom, I, I heard, if they would have well, uh, recorded it. Well, were totally, uh, uh, two different types of people. Fred
0: was very, you know, he had have his underwear color coordinated. And mine were just thrown onto the floor, you know. Yeah. Thank God, but he walked in on, on yeah. me. And... Uh, <laughs> Fred was a perfectionist, he's a German, so
1: he's got that German fire yep, yep and
0: he, uh, he, he could use his his mouth too as uh, a weapon
1: oh he could had a sharp tongue is what you're telling me? that's fine. Did, the way he would maybe say something to, would he like if you weren't putting stuff away or you know leaving the cap off the juice and that sort of stuff would he he let you have it is what you're telling me or, or on the court no, no, start he's yelling?
0: <laughs> and we, we had uh, an apartment second level, and uh, when we moved, I remember just throwing the pom prompts out the window into the truck.
1: <laughs> we lived so... Yeah, like uh, like vagabonds, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So anyway, Fred was, uh, you know, I played with him for a lot of years. He's a very good player.
1: Yeah, what what made him? What was his best skill on the on the court besides his sharp tongue?
0: Uh, I would say everything. He's a very good passer, very good setter, and uh, he's just an all around good player. And, all around, very good. And
1: I mean, if you can. Like you with that bandana And then Fred with the bandana And the puka shell necklace I don't think anyone out on the on the beach That summer when you played Could hold a candle to you two guys As far as being smooth and stylish Is that pretty fair to say?
0: Well I always would get the second best in the girls Fred would get uh, number uno <laughs> yeah. Well that
1: was like getting a BMW Instead of a Mercedes So who cares He
0: was Hollywood
1: That's right, that's right. I remember him telling that story that he looked like he was right out of Hollywood. With, Oh, boy, he is something. The next guy that I have on the list here is uh, Jim Mingus. What do you recall about Mingus as a player and made him special, and then uh, what he was like as a a person or a fun story or anything you want to share about uh, Ice Eyes, as they used to call him?
0: Well, mentally, he was probably the toughest player out there. He, uh, one summer, 1976 or 77, Jim never missed a pass. I never saw him make a bad pass. Wow. So uh, we ended up playing uh, Lee and Minga six times in the finals and lost every one of them. He was, he was one of those who walked on the court, he had you he, we, he, we were walking down from the store down to the beach and he was smoking two cigars one in one side of his mouth <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that
1: what after a tournament win or, or what just on a night out or what
0: no this was before this, the finals of the winner's bracket Manhattan Open
1: jeez
0: we were playing we were going to play Leon and Mingus for the, for the win, winner's bracket and
1: um, were you playing with Mike Carey that summer
0: yes I did who was it
1: that I, played with? I know you. You played with him in a bunch of them, and, and like in '75, you guys were like their toughest competition. But. Yeah,
0: that's right. Reza.
1: Okay. Yeah, it
0: was Mike. It
1: was Mike. Awesome. So oh, anyway,
0: that was that was uh,
1: fine. So Mingus, before the winners, has got two stogies in his mouth. It's me. He's sending a message saying, "Hey, I already know I got you beat, pretty much, huh?" Yeah, and this is
0: for the next one coming up. So <laughs> well, he was, um, Mingus was, he was not a real socialite. He, he kind of hung out with uh, his good friend Greg Lee, great player.
1: Yeah, Randy and Niles and some of those other guys, I think that he, Randy
0: Niles, I remember him, but they had their own um, attitude, they had their own location where they played. They played at State Beach mm-hmm. all, all the time and, and that was for Hermosa and Marine Street. They had their own, Mike Dodd
1: and, and Yeah, that infamous Orange Court there. Yeah. And now you mentioned uh, the kid, Greg Lee. He won a couple of NCAA championships at uh, UCLA for Coach Wooden with his good buddy uh, Bill Walton. Um, again, just like Valalea and some of those guys that played there. um they had that UCLA mental toughness. Um, what uh, What do you remember about Greg as, as a player and his best skills on the court? I he had the attitude that we're, uh, you know, we're not going to lose. We're going to win. And, and then, uh, he, yeah, I heard he hit a real uh, a heavy football. Not necessarily a straight-down crank like a, a Bergman or a, um, a Shemalus, but he, he hit a heavy... Um, flat, deeper ball that was, and he could put it wherever he wanted out on that court. Does that sound about right? Exactly. It's, that's well, uh, well put. He hit a
0: deep, heavy ball. And of course, he never missed a pass. He earned so. Right. You guys, they, 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 were a tough team. Yeah. So ultimately, so we were tough. We were tough too. We, we got, uh, we beat them one time and. Huntington Beach uh, Open, Uh, one of the games, it wasn't for the whole match, it was for one of the games. And I remember uh, Mingus yelling to Greg, come on, God dang it, we we beat these guys uh, all the time, what what are we doing? And he yelled at Greg, I started laughing. And anyway, it it was fun.
1: Yeah, I think when I talked to Greg about that, he, he said, you know, Jim was, you know, they were best friends in that, uh, you know, Mengus wasn't the easiest guy to play with. He was in terms of his skill set because he was played flawlessly, but he just be was such an intense competitor that sometimes, um, you know, he could give you uh, <laughs> some glaring looks or he wasn't shy about, you know riding you a bit if you needed it and greg said it never phased him he goes i grew up with two older brothers john and chris lee who pummeled me on the basketball court and in the grass and then i played for coach wooden so it was like water off my back so it sounds like they were the ideal matchup from that standpoint because uh greg was the perfect you know partner for him from that standpoint yeah that's exactly right
0: uh perfect uh perfect compliment because he could take that but he put pressure on you too by just going by expecting
1: to win now um mike carey um unfortunately we lost him uh within the last year here which was rather sad um i've seen lots of photos and heard he was a talented player and like you mentioned he you and he had a lot of success and in 75 to um gave Mengus and Lee all they could handle in those finals and were the second-best team on the beach that year. What uh, what what do you remember about Kerry and what you enjoyed playing with him and what made you guys so solid that summer?
0: He was a mad dog. He uh, would foam at the mouth. He was, <laughs> so, he was so into it. He was a really amazing competitor. I, I, I liked playing with him as much as playing with Fred, if not more. But he he was a great defensive player. Would never get tired, and so they usually serve uh, me. But I had a couple great years where I was very strong offensively and um, played good defense. And I kind of like a Matt Gauge type of player,
1: smooth and stylish. Huh? I always say smooth and stylish.
0: <laughs> that's yeah, that's about that's about right.
1: So, so when good. you say that from your perspective that you're a Mac, you were kind of a Mac age type player. What, what, what would, how would you just define that?
0: Well, form the type of gritty defense, mm-hmm. gritty offense. I was a better setter. In fact, I I believe that I was the best setter on the beach uh, for those two years and uh, so if the opposite team is going to serve my partner they better watch out because I'm going to put the ball on the net
1: every time well yeah that's so Uh, hard to (laughs) do and so important to be able to do especially um, with the no block up like that and the two guys are back on defense I am an
0: advocate of hand setting and Mingus and Lee never used their hands at all, so you used to just get to me, and I'd yell at the ref, <laughs> you know, just throwing the ball, and they go, "How did you know you, 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 we
1: just bump set?" Right. But they were, you know, they, they put the ball right
0: where it's supposed to be too. Only it was uh, bump set.
1: Yeah, when hey, when you when you put up some of those nectar sets for uh, Carrie and Fred. Did you tell him that set was so good it put itself away? Oh,
0: I always heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's great. That was so good. It is. No.
1: Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you were uh you're like yeah, you you hit really well today but mostly because of my my sets. <laughs> you owe me a picture of beer.
0: Yeah, there you go. That's,
1: that's- now, um, you mentioned him a little bit but uh Mac Gage. What uh what was Gage's forte uh, on the beach and made him special.
0: Oh, it was, without a doubt, consistency. He uh, would just hardly ever miss a pass. Set, great, great hit. Wasn't that big, but he got the job done. You know, when you think about it, beach volleyball—it's not that difficult. He's pass, set, hit,
1: boom, mm-hmm. over, side out. Well said. You know, you don't have to hit the big bomb and everything else. You just gotta, like Von Hagen said, one, two, three. This ball goes down. That's right. Yeah. Um, and now, so, he, so Matt, I heard, yeah, he would before he got his Reuters syndrome. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. I was told that he really was a phenomenal hitter as far as ball placement, and he had just a beautiful, smooth snap on that ball and um not that he still couldn't hit later after he came back but you know it wasn't quite the same but when he was in his prime you would be shocked at how uh how effective and hard of a hitter is, is that he was does that sound uh fair to yeah
0: yeah definitely um matt just was a even heel guy high intensity though his focus was really really wonderful and you know, since we were only 6'2", both of us 6'2", mm-hmm. we had enough a, a time hitting an offset, you know. But that's one thing that we practiced a lot was, uh, you know, shots. And if you didn't have a good shot, you're going to get eaten up by a defense. So, um, It was in paradigm. He had, he had wonderful shots, and uh, I had good shots. used to love to play uh, big hit- hitters because they would just wind up and hit, you know, a good three feet.
1: Mhm. And, and then you, you know, guys would be in position to gobble them up and it would it would and it would probably frustrate you know what out of them <laughs> oh
0: yeah yeah you know because if you didn't and big guys they just want to hit you know, we love that we'll just get in our defensive positions angle angle and dig everything that was hit to I so love to see big hitters like vogie and um
1: or like a Kilgore or a Dunlap or some of those guys. Dunlap's
0: could, the other guy. You're right. Yeah, you know them all.
1: Yeah, that, the reason I, I, when I interviewed Jeff Jordan, he told me a story of seeing um, Mitch Melpe and John Gonzalez, two of your uh, South Bay buddies there. Um, yeah playing in uh, the Manhattan Open, and they played against Kilgore and and Dunlap. And it was like, when you look at the four players, you think Kilgore and Dunlap, and you watch during hitting lines, are going to beat them 15-0. And um, he said that he saw this, it was the most amazing defensive match he'd ever seen in his life where Mel P. and Gonzalez did exactly what like you and Gage could do, where you guys could just let those guys Kind of shank passes, but still get big hits on the ball and just dug dug them like twenty times. It was the best digging match he'd ever seen, and Melby and Gonzalez beat them, and it was like uh, watching Davy beat Goliath. So uh, I thought that was a really neat story to hear. Who was
0: Jordan playing with?
1: Jordan wasn't playing. I think he was just watching it, and he watched the match, and he said it was the best match he watched as a kid, or you know when he was younger. Um, at Manhattan, um, and uh, it was Mitch Melpi and John Gonzalez against Kirk Kilgore and Doug Dunlap. Maybe you know, maybe around 73. We'd ha- I'd have to check. Um, but uh, he said it was just breathtaking to watch how Melpie and Gonzalez did exactly what guys like you and Mengis and Gage and um, you know Lang could do. Is these guys could just tee off on a ball and you guys would get it up and then you know side out our or. or swing away for a point, which was demoralizing, and then they'd hit even harder, and then they'd dig them again, you know, or it just drives you nuts.
0: you hate to play against guys like that because you know the ball's going to come back, and they were fantastic. John was so much fun to play with, and Malty was another person that was fun. We actually had a great match with uh, Jeff Jordan and uh, Pope.
1: Yeah, that Northern California Championships, wasn't it, that you guys played in, and... Yeah, Capitola okay. Beach, right? Where you guys got the, it, it, it. Didn't it go like fifteen, thirteen in the final game or something like that, too?
0: They were ahead of us 14 to 10 for 9. 14 to 9, and we came back and
1: won. Oh, that my goodness.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you listen to his interview that we did, he was he, that was as close as he ever got to uh, you know, uh winning an open and yeah, he he still feels it, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, I, I
0: know he does. I know he did. Yeah, so I started I started
1: smoking two
0: cigars walking
1: down there. <laughs> you took a page out of Mengus's book? Yeah, I thought but,
0: that was bland.
1: Better two cigars than uh Two Annihilators, right? Right, yeah. It was, um,
0: <laughs> it was fun, fun because he was so pissed. <laughs>
1: yeah, I believe it. Oh, gosh. How were those after parties after you'd get a big win like that? Was it pretty fun?
0: Well, you know, for the younger guys, more so because they were single. Some of the older guys were married, kids, and mm-hmm. or had girlfriends. So it was kind of what stage you were in in a relationship. Yeah. But some of the fun with uh, Brooks uh, was his name I remember seeing Obradovich playing and he would like basically get drunk before uh, his match on uh, on Saturday the quarterfinals. finals and, but and he would play great after drinking all night I go how in the hell are these guys doing anyway yeah was-
1: I heard yeah, he would do that when he played with with Hooper. Hooper said he always had to carry OB like when they won that um, uh, world championship and then uh, you know in other tournaments that they played in that uh, OB would be hurting and Hooper you know would could go out and hang out like anybody too but he uh, you know he said he'd be playing better at the beginning and then OB as the crowds gathered and they made it further in the tournament. That's right would get really amped up and, you know, just feed off of the adrenaline regardless of how hungover he was, so...
0: No, you're right. Perfectly uh, correct. We, um... I'll tell you a guy I wish I could have played with, and that was Buzz Schwartz.
1: Oh, Captain Buzzard?
0: Huh?
1: Captain Buzzard, the fire uh, the fire captain.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I had... Because ne- he lived down south more and more, so I never really got a chance to go down and play... And I didn't know him that well until we got hooked up on this uh, World Championship Legends tournament. Mm-hmm. I drew Buzz Schwartz. And we... I mean, there was Von Hagen and Marlowe playing. Yeah. Uh, and it was uh, really, really a lot of fun. He's a really good player. I didn't realize how good he... But he, he was fun.
1: Yeah, Buzz... Um he uh didn't you guys win that Legends tournament?
0: No, we lost in the finals to Gary Ho- Hooper
1: and Fred Sturm. Okay. You and Buzz played really well together uh and earned that earned that. But I couldn't remember if you guys won the final or not. But yeah, losing to Hooper and Sturm is no uh nothing to be shake your head at. That's that's no, they, they, <laughs> were, they,
0: were, they, they were, were tough. They
1: yeah, were yeah. Tough. So, yeah, and Buzz, I know, was a really talented um, mixed player. And then, um, you know, we won the the 72 Manhattan uh, with Matt over uh, Rundle and, um, and Clem, which was pretty pretty impressive. Um, and then um, I think Buzz won opens on both the left and right side, which is tough to do. And, uh, you know, so I would imagine you guys would have been pretty uh, formidable as a is a tandem.
0: Well, he was—he uh, was really, really a good player. I really loved watching him play, and uh, you know, I keep thinking to myself, next year I'll—I'll be going out there and I'll kick your butt. <laughs> next year, what am I doing?
1: Yeah, yeah, right. And then, then it's five years later. <laughs> You're still saying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> plus that Perry's Pizza. And that uh, the volleyball cokes and stuff over there, where he um, he was sponsored, I always get a kick out of that when I see the Perry's Pizza sign in the background at Hermosa and Buzz uh, could eat all the pizza and drink all the cokes he wanted over there. So that alone would have made him uh, an attractive partner. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And his- yeah. So yeah yeah um, and then i did, you know gage told me I don't know how many people know about this that buds worked for the city of hermosa down there and was very instrumental in getting all those courts put in at the pier and then he would be down there all day during the i don't know if it was torn uh all all year long. But um, at least during the summer months, maybe maybe more, where he would be there to get the nets up and make sure to hand out volleyballs for any of the people that wanted to play down there, and that was basically his job. Um, and then he, that left him a lot of time to also play down there too. So um, I, I think that's kind of a little-known thing about Buzz is what, uh, in, how instrumental he was on getting those courts installed there and, and then uh, keeping it going over the summers. This concludes part three of our interview with Dennis Hare. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for part four. As a reminder, our podcasts are available on all the major podcast directories and also on our website, which is gods to ghosts.com. Thanks. Talk to you soon.